Welcome everybody back to the Domcast episode 18. I am here with my co-host, the storyteller, who is not in a car this weekend. <laughs> so I think this will work out a little bit better. Uh, how are you, sir? Good. I'm doing good. Uh, and hopefully uh, we can people don't have to comment about my audio issues anymore. Yeah, Saying no. that I had inferior audio to Dom. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't have inferior audio to Dom? Let's just be honest. Yeah, I don't know if I'm uh I don't know if I'm using the video version of this or if there'll be game in the background, but the setup looks nice today. He's got his actual like video, the, the same quality that he uses in his videos. He's got that now. The mic sounds crisp. It's got a little decoration in the background now of uh you said that's like the basket dimensions, uh, the, yeah, the dimension yeah. of a basketball goal. Yeah, it's it's a fire it's a fire setup today. I, I'll have to uh, see how this turns out, and you know maybe I'll use this. Uh, but either way, we have had an interesting week. Uh, it, it was definitely fast forwarded. Before I get into that, also because uh, a lot went down this week in the NBA. Also, if you listen to this podcast on Spotify or iTunes, you probably realize that there were issues. Uh, it's it's back there now, so the links work. The links on all the videos should work. If I get to that before now, I was moving networks. We are part of the uh, Blue Wire podcast network at the moment, so just had to have some moves. That's that's all i didn't delete anything all right so those notes aside yeah is this, that who uh, you're you're with now yeah yeah that's who we're with now yeah who were you with i was with myself i was not a part of a network <laughs> yeah there, there was no network at all yeah so hopefully as the world opens back up and whatnot there'll be like network on networking opportunities and everything but uh yeah we'll see how that goes well yeah this week uh it we had the trade deadline and there was a lot of news everything was moving very fast um I think more teams, I think they said 23 teams made a trade deadline deal. I, I made barbershop talks about it, and I kind of went through my thoughts on most of the moves. And then more things happened. The buyout market happened. LaMarcus Aldridge, Brooklyn Net, Andre Drummond, Los Angeles Laker. So a lot of fun things, but I've given a good bit of my thoughts. Of course, I'm going to chime in on some, but was there anything that stuck out to you for the trade deadline or anything that you cared about? Um, and, or were you following it closely? How, how was your trade deadline experience? Because... We talked a lot. We were a little pro- prophetic, prophetic. We were uh, definitely predicting the future. I mean, there was a lot of things that we've talked about on this podcast that didn't didn't boil to uh, reality until after the fact. Yeah, yeah. No, I actually I was I was preoccupied with the the errors of Spotify and iTunes. Then I didn't get to mention, yeah, last last week's podcast is uh, if you go back and if you listen to it initially and you went through this week, you realize like a lot of things happen. We put a lot out into the universe that just kind of came full circle within 72 hours. We we talked about for no reason at all on this particular Sunday while you were in your car. We start talking yeah. about Draymond Green and Tony Allen, like specifically. And they get into a Twitter beef 24 hours later. Oh, that was amazing. We talked all about LaMarcus Aldridge. I, I guess that one was due. We knew he was signing somewhere. We just didn't know exactly where that happened. Um, and I, I'm probably missing one more that was, like, eerie. Uh, did, I, did I write it down? There was, like, something else eerie that happened here, and I, I don't... I don't know. It's probably slipping my mind right now. Ah, Steve Kerr. There we go. We talked a lot about Steve Kerr, and then the his interview comes out about uh, them having more fun without Kevin... Oh, in the sinking season than they did yeah. in Kevin Durant's last season. Like all of that was bundled into that little hour. Basically that was like the, that was like the prequel. That podcast was the prequel to this week. And so that'd be great. I feel like this podcast would blow up much quicker if we could just have a podcast every Sunday that, that precedes the events of the week. That'd be amazing. Um, so yeah, where, wherever you want to take it, if you, if they're trade thoughts or uh, you, you can go kind of wherever you want, to be honest, because we, we've all talked about trades a lot by now. 
I just really want to talk about LaMarcus Aldridge. That's awesome. really what I want to talk about. Yeah, new um, new Brooklyn Nut LaMarcus Aldridge, ladies and gents. That set Twitter on fire over the last day or so. <laughs> when somebody goes through a traumatic event or something that is just kind of beats them down and takes a lot of their will <laughs> away, you always wonder how long it takes them to reset into like the petty human that they were before they had feelings and realized everything's not about them. Um, but Marcus Aldridge, do you remember before he left Portland, it was, you know, there's a lot of talk about him versus Dame and who should be on a poster or something like that, like a billboard. And I mean, that's obviously, obviously something that is based in truth, but even if it is perfectly true that he wanted to be on a billboard that Dame was on, it's still just one fraction of whatever the whole story was. But when he goes to San Antonio, um, effectively he gets to live his nightmare, you know, because I'm positive that he wasn't on any billboards in that stretch of time either. Or <laughs> he didn't, his profile didn't expand in the least. So now he's released. I just, I wonder how long until he reverts back to his, the LaMarcus he was, or it's like the blip, right? Will he just go back to his old ways as if not just performance on the court, just his attitude and his perspective on him in the league. Will that happen? Or is he beaten down so much that he realizes he basically just needs to be do three things, not mess up. And maybe sometimes he won't even start. I mean, is he supposed to start? Is he? Yeah, no, the LaMarcus Aldridge will not be starting for the Brooklyn Nets. I don't know exactly. They're going to be using him a lot at center, they say, but I can guarantee you that's not going to happen. I think they're going to be limited minutes. I think it's going to be a limited role, like you were just kind of saying. He needs to do a couple of things. Him and Blake Griffin on this team need to do a couple of things, which is why I think they both chose there. Uh, I tweeted out with Blake Griffin before he went there. I was like, if I was Blake Griffin at this age of my career, I'd go to the Nets. LaMarcus Aldridge, I felt the same way, but I had been hearing Miami so much that I had basically imagined his jersey being printed there already kind of like Oladipo was from all that time kind of like Drummond with the Lakers I both of those were you know effectively printed I felt that way about LaMarcus but uh hey San Antonio he was supposed to go there that was supposed to be the next great piece that's where championships were supposed to happen with him and Kawhi it did not happen and so now he goes to the Nets and it will probably happen and he doesn't have to do much for that I think it's uh I think it's great I um but I'll let you continue because that yeah kind of that kind of takes my mind to a different place where, where, where's that? Well, just that, like you said, you were gone a lot of the weekend and you know, for it's actually, you do something that's very healthy. You don't seem to surf Twitter that much. And so, uh, when, chunks. yeah, and then I stay away from it. Yeah. Yeah. You do it in manageable pieces because if you don't, if you just scroll it and you know, you, you continue to scroll and you go down rabbit holes, it's like, you can't. You see the same arguments made over and over and over again. You see the same narrative spun over and over. And at a certain point, you just kind of have to realize that's going to happen no matter how many times you make a video about it, no matter how many times you answer it or correct. It's going to happen. Uh, But it's fascinating because LaMarcus Aldridge, this, what is he, 35, 36-year-old now? Um, Not even close to his all-star form anymore. He created, like, a great rift this weekend in NBA Twitter by making uh, signing because he's a name, just like Blake Griffin was a name. Marcus Aldridge is a name. Now I'm, I'm on the side of, I think this is good because while he doesn't answer questions for the nuts, like, Oh, there are only questions left for defense for them. So he doesn't really answer questions for them. But when you are a vet that does this, cause this is not the first time we've seen this, right? We've seen veteran past veteran all-stars go to, I guess, super teams basically. Oh, so yeah. Try to, yeah, we've seen this happen. 
when you're a player like that, you only need to do a couple of things. You only need to bring a couple of things to make that team that much better. And so Blake, if he draws a, a double team every now and then, or he forces some kind of help while he's on a court with either Kyrie or Harden or Katie and Harden, or, you know, just two of those three, that's fine. That's all he needs to do. And that helps. Same exact thing with, with LaMarcus Aldridge. But so you, that's how I think he makes them better. But the divide this weekend is either it's his corpse and he's going to see DNP games or it's this super team. And Kevin Durant has once again ruined basketball and all of this to beat a 36 year old LeBron. So you can kind of see just off those two. There's a wide spectrum in those two directions of the arguments that are made. Um, But it just and that kind of goes into the Kevin Durant Twitter thing we were talking about at the beginning. Because that that also uh, when I woke up this morning, I saw an interesting interaction there. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's just kind of a, I don't know. It's just it's just been an interesting weekend. We had, you had people making entire threads on a beautiful Sunday afternoon about the origins of super teams and uh, how it was the Celtics that really started them and not LeBron. But then people are like, oh, wait, super teams happened before the Celtics. And it just goes a million different places. Um, I'm trying to I'm trying to decide which question I want to ask you based off well, of that. But, a, yeah, go ahead. You said a lot of things and it. It was make you just speak, and instantly I'm I'm finding new little bubbles of thought. Well, that's the goal. Um, within that, so <laughs> formal. Goal. I think formal questions. We don't. Even, it just kind of happens. Right, right. Your questions are always there. Um, but uh, Marcus Aldridge. Um, I think we're getting to a point where I think this is a goal of mine. I have no effect over any of this, but it's something I've always wanted to happen. For players who are getting uh, older, before they hit their, you know, their their maximum, their peak, and they're on the downhill and they're just, you know, hanging on. Before they get there, when they have one or two years, two years left of productivity close to what they're known for doing, I think more of those players need to accept the idea of being a sixth man. And this is how you create real super teams. When a player who should be a starter understands that they need to be a six man and that's all you need i mean i look honestly i think if russell westbrook understood he could be a six man today or maybe last year i think that gives him extends his career i feel like it gives him a better chance because winning everything i just want to interrupt and put this small little note in there that you were talking about your mentions and how you see a surge you've mentioned russell westbrook and the idea of him becoming a six man so expect expect your mentions are somewhere (laughs) in some form to be blown up but continue (laughs) it's like (laughs) once a player realizes it ain't gonna happen for them in their current situation on their team um i i just want that pioneer that person to come out and say okay i can do this i can join a a decent team and i want to be the sixth man i don't understand the cramming of the of of all the notable players or players with egos into the starting lineup when starting lineups are how how long do starting lineups actually stay in the game you know you start a game four or five minutes in maybe three four before the first substitution probably some older center or somebody who's just you know needs to get a rest Mm -hmm. you're already swapping new people in there it's already ceremonial this whole idea of starting that's another reason why i was never bought in all on how genius steve kerr was by asking andre yugadali to come off the bench like i don't think that was that brilliant of him it seemed 
we had a choice a few years before that um they were trying to decide whether or not whether clay thompson or harrison barnes were going to remain in the starting lineup and then with andre Godala, they figured out he should come off the bench and that was something that blew people's minds i guess <laughs> and some people still credit the adjustments they made with andre Godala in the 2016 or 2015 their first championship mm-hmm. um but that was a big a big game changer it's fine I get it, and we all want to boil things down to something very simple and say, that's the reason that player or that team won. And the concept of just changing things up, I get it. But if we want if we want to see the next layer of, of cream, prime, supreme basketball, elite, the peak that it could be, we're already getting the best of the world's talent. We've talked about this, but this is the first time that we're actually getting the best of the entire world. Not just the best of, you know, what we keep our eye on in the United States and three other countries that we have a, a pipeline to. Um, no, we're getting the best of the world, finally. So we have to, and the game has changed. The game has changed significantly. I'm waiting for that one player who was the man on one team to understand that to get a championship. And there's a whole level of this. I mean, I don't want to say it. Would there be a better six man in the world than Damian Lillard? I know oh, it's not happening. Shit. <laughs> two two years from now, when he really realizes it's not gonna happen, that's when I don't know, you know, he joins whoever it is as a six man. He goes to Miami, you know. And it doesn't mean that you have to be worse than all the starters. It's just strategic. Like that's what I, I don't understand. It's strategic. So I used to put hang my hat on Russell Westbrook making that decision. Do you remember the battle that Carmelo Anthony had realizing yes. that he may not be a starter? That's exactly what I was thinking about. Took? Yeah. Remember the other one? Dwayne Wade? He did not want to come off the bench in those elderly years. Some of the worst years where he, he just looked like he didn't even want to be out there. But he realized eventually, and I think there was some more, there was some in-depth reporting about it. Um, you got to come off the bench. And I don't even know what team it was. The idea is that if he would have done that just a few years earlier, it could have been the help that a team needed to get over the hump. I'm waiting for that. That's one of my NBA dreams. Um, Damian Lillard, I give you three more years. Three more years of, <laughs> you know, like punching at, at clouds. And then, come on, join join the, the Nuggets, you know, as a six man. <laughs> like. Just something in, like that, and then you win. In two straight weeks, we've had LeBron is is a boring basketball player. It has become boring, and Lillard needs to go to the or eventually needs to go to the bench. The no, Nuggets, no six man. I will say it's it's funny because I've uh, I've had just a random thought. I have a lot of random thoughts. I've had a random thought of what if what if a superstar player just did that? What if a superstar player was like, you know what? I've got enough money. I've done enough. And they're still relatively in their prime. Not like they're washed or anything. I'm just going to go play on this great team, but no. I'm going to be okay with this with this shrunken role. Of course, that hasn't really happened yet. Not going to happen anytime soon, probably. Now, the place that I would disagree with Damian Lillard is, at least let's see, because his problem is different to me. It's not that it's not, well, okay, first of all, yeah, it's not probably, it's not going to happen in Portland because Portland just never gets the guy that they actually need next to him. But I think Damian Lillard is a... I don't want to say Kevin Durant decision away, 
Um, he's a modern superstar decision away from actually being able to win something because Lillard is easily talented enough that if he decided, you know what, I'm done being loyal and a ring actually does mean something to me, I think he could have, I don't know if he could have had one already, but I think he could have, uh, you know, acquired the help needed to get that done. And uh, back, I was, as you were talking, I was thinking uh, about the Iguodala thing. There we go, because uh, we did bring that up last week, and that was part of the video. Um, with the with Kurt putting him on the bench, with these stars, and even with what you're talking about, he, it's I, I think I think you understand why it wouldn't happen. Ego, and like Charles Barkley said, everyone has an ego, but they have a reason to have an ego. Yeah, NBA superstars like Carmelo Anthony at the time where he uh, laughed at the idea of coming off the bench. It's just, I guess it's something that we wouldn't understand since we're, we're not superstar players, but these well, guys like have you, been... Well, like you and me? Yeah. <laughs> or, or like everybody listening to this? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Has their own judgmental yeah, yeah. Yeah, comments. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we don't have the same... Because it, it probably would make sense, but for guys that have been superstars their entire lives, I guess... For Melo, because I, I didn't understand why Melo would be laughing at a comment like that at the point of his career that he did, because it's clear that's kind of where it was going. And I remember kind of thinking to myself, wow, why is this? Why is this so difficult for him? He, you know, he can play, but he would clearly be better in this role. But when you've been a superstar your entire career at every level of basketball, it probably does something to you to, you know, make that non-feasible. But this is what happens. This is what happens. It takes an injury or it takes them kind of being forced into that role and they end up they need to be forced. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's yeah. The tough part. Yeah. They have to be forced into this role and then it turns into, uh, I'm trying to think of who the, the Celtics didn't really have with, yeah. Cause Rasheed Wallace isn't a great example. He just got old and he came and played for us around like 2010. Um, then of course, Ray Allen and Richard Lewis went to Miami after their all-star days were clearly over. Richard oh, Lewis. Is, Richard Lewis. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. His, his, his were very long gone by that day. He was an all-star anyways. Um, well, yeah, he was out of the Miami area, right? At some point or like out of the Orlando area. Richard yeah. Lewis at some point. Well, he played he, for the not, magic when he got, when he lost access to, goods his career went down oh oh you mean uh you're talking about the uh, am i thinking of the right thing are you what are you referencing yeah. well the 2009 orlando magic the, the you know they're like the ones they're the nexus they're the that was the explosion of steroids in the nba that was it <laughs> oh yeah that's a, that's that's new oh, to me <laughs> 2009 orlando when they went to the finals uh, once once again as i say over and over again i wrote a whole thing up about this and it, it, there's one person who was really upset that I never released it. Like they kept, they kept like trolling me all the time. Which is like every address I had, every piece of social media I had, even emails. They were like, "You got to release that video." And then it started getting weird. <laughs> anyway, I never did. But the whole yeah, 2009 Orlando Magic. That's a whole special. That's okay. a whole feature link special here. Great. I would it's definitely them. add what, that. What Dwight and Jameer Nelson. Uh huh. <laughs> He was wider than he was tall. Like that guy was, he was all muscle. Sean Lewis, like all these people. Were there two players on that team that got caught up? Like he was it Hito Turkoglu and Richard Lewis that had, or was it just Richard Lewis? Yes, it was both of them. Ah, okay, that might explain why Hito Turkoglu. When I saw him uh, years later at my college playing one on one, I mean, of course he was an NBA player playing a regular civilian, so that's why he destroyed him. But also, still for like a damn near retired Hito, he. You know, he was on one. That's that's also, yeah. I guess. Yeah, we'll get to that with the 2000 and not magic. I have added that. Um, I think I know where I was going, actually, because this is perfect. We have two questions today that just mix in perfectly uh, with, with where the topics have went this week after last week's podcast. 
uh somebody a while ago i don't know when i wrote this question down but somebody asked uh what would be your ideal career if you were a player in terms of readings and mvps but that's not exactly where i want to take it because this goes uh kind of hand in hand with a what you're talking about guys going to the bench if they were you know still in their prime being able to take that ego hit or guys that have had to deal with ego or just be forced into this role i kind of i i just kind of threw this out here on twitter yesterday and i was asking if you were a player would you care about your so-called legacy? Because that's what half the arguments are about at the moment is, oh, Kevin Durant's legacy is ruined. This means nothing. The championships mean nothing. Uh, or LeBron's legacy and all that. Like, I don't, I don't really go, I don't really do legacy talk anymore. I, I made a couple of videos like that when I first started, um, but it's, you know, it's outlived me. And it, of course, it was here before me as well. But yeah, if you were a player, I guess you could make some of the ideal career in with it. But would you care about this so-called legacy that people spend all day fighting on twitter about well there's 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 two groups right there's players that actually three maybe there's players that have legacies right and then there's players that are associated with people who have legacies you know they're integral parts of a bigger player's story and uh then there's people who just don't just might as well have never existed you know, like all you like all you got the best they're gonna get is that they amaze people when they told them they played in the NBA like 20 years ago. Really? Wow, you our neighbor, you know, that guy taking the trash out. He played in the NBA for six months. That's great. Amazing. Like on a pedestrian level, on a civilian level, you just run into somebody at the store and you're like, they're like, Yeah, I played in the NBA. You know, no context, no prompt or anything. They just say it to you. Like, wow, really? Like you'd be impressed. Then it's like you see Kevin Durant walking in the supermarket or store, walks up to him. People just get disrespect him. Like they're not, they're not amazed that he's in the NBA anymore. They, they, it's literally a higher. It is not literally, but it is a higher standard. They're instantly judging him on. Um, it's like, man, like this guy. He was a professional basketball player. You should be amazed. You know, we immediately go to uh, the legacy part. How we frame that whole thing sitting on a keyboard here all right um so once you realize you are in that group that could potentially have a legacy and you're not just in the nba to have a job or for shits and giggles and it really matters and i feel like that becomes almost it's gotta matter it has to matter these people are especially when all of it is thrown directly back in your face and you can't escape it whatever your recent performance is or whatever talk is it's inescapable um even if these players aren't searching for it 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 permeates the locker rooms um so if you cross over into that territory where you could have a legacy i think it's impossible for for them to not be constantly thinking about it at some level just like a low drone just in the back of their head just it's a legacy it's gotta matter but then there's a freedom to the people where it's like, you're going to be forgotten. You're just one of the others uh, where it's got to feel nice to not have the pressure of a legacy. But then there's obviously people at that level who probably think they should have a legacy. There's like that that um, that thin line, um, you know, one or two time all-star players. It's like, do you think anybody, <laughs> do you think anybody's going to talk about Mike Connolly 30 years from now? <laughs> Yeah, 30 years from now, I think that might be, uh, I think that's a stretch, honestly. We love Conley right. around here, but yeah. <laughs> like, 
you know, I hope he owns a, get a bunch of Wendy's franchises and invest his money. But it's like at that point, a certain point, maybe not him, at a certain point, you have to start reminding people that you played in the NBA. You have to do some of that self-promotion um, as opposed to just, I don't know, uh, trying to do the best that you can. You got to get out there and promote yourself, which is a whole different problem uh, when you're self-promoting. Um, and I think we have something like that that we're supposed to get to at some point. I don't want to go too far into that. But I think legacy is, a, to me, it would obsess, I would be obsessed over it on a nightly basis if I was at that level. But I would almost beg that I wasn't so I could just exist and be fi- and just be happy and not have the pressure of a legacy. Good grief. All right. That's it. I think that's it. So how do you think Kevin Durant's Twitter interactions play into that? Because at this point, this is this is where it's gone. We years ago learned we had irrefutable evidence that KD had a burner account, as do many players. If I was an NBA player, I would absolutely have a burner account. Why would you not? Uh, having an account with 18 million followers is probably very restrictive on some level. So Katie has a burner. Uh, it got exposed and he was kind of like, yeah, you know, I should have used better judgment. But since then, he's fully embraced his role in NBA Twitter, which is, of course, he was on the Warriors for the last few years, which angered everybody who wasn't a Warriors fan, uh, <laughs> angered everybody who wanted to see parody. And he, since then, since moving on, he's kind of leaned into it. Like, yeah, I, I did that shit. I went there. I went to a team that I knew was unbeatable. I did it. I've been winning. Uh, We won two championships. Now I'm on the Nets. And we, they're probably going to keep winning. And you went there with Kyrie first. It was like, it was like this moment where we felt like everything was cool because it was him and Kyrie. And that was supposed to be the rehabilitation of his image or quote unquote legacy that we're talking about. And then they get hardened. And I again, this is my weekly, everything in life is optics. After you get Harden, you get Blake Griffin, you get Marcus Aldridge. This looks, even if it's not, that's the part that kills me, right? Even if this has nothing to do with KD. Like, KD probably didn't request, like, specifically request James Harden to come to the Nets. I think the Nets GM and the ownership saw, like, hey, we have a chance to put together three amazing players. Why don't we do that? They probably did that. I don't think Kevin Durant was day and night. I mean, yeah, that's his buddy. They probably talked about it, but I'm not sure that was exactly his doing. It's like I'm not exactly sure what Blake Griffin and Lamarcus Aldridge was specifically his doing. But it looks that way from the guy who went to Golden State. It looks that way like he's here. He is on another super team. But he's leaned into it. Uh, today on, the, on his latest Twitter interaction, they're just hilarious. They're hilarious because he said specifically, uh, I should have probably brought this up, but off the dome, someone said something like, yeah, LaMarcus Aldridge plays for the Nets now, and Kevin Durant feel the, feels the need to come defend himself about it, and he needs the validation. And KD said, I, I pull up to these threads because I knew, <laughs> he said, I think he said, I smelled blood in the water, uh, and I, I needed to come fulfill the prophecy. Like, I knew you guys were going to be on here bitching about it or something like that. Like, he's literally just one of us, which I guess <laughs> on some level he is. And then someone's like, oh, yeah, well, they, you, just, you just choose violence. You just wake up and choose violence. It sounds pretty miserable. And he just replies with one scathing absolutely just that's it he's perfected this Kevin Durant has perfected this era he's taken whatever whoever started this formula whatever you can argue about that all day 
He's got this formula of I'm going to play with a bunch of stars and I'm going to win. He's also perfected this off-court part of I am going to be in your head 24-7 on the internet. And I'm not going to leave any mystery about it. I'm not going to be like the other star players who pretend not to read anything on social media or pretend like I don't hear it. I'm going to get in the mud with you. And this is going to be funny. It's going to be funny for one of us. And so that is KD on Twitter. And his legacy in most people's eyes is what we have right now. Super teams, stacked decks. And I'm wondering how you think his interactions on Twitter kind of play into this. Since he exists in that sphere of he has a legacy, regardless whether he wants it or not. He has that. And it's been it's been a thing over the last couple of years. It's been probably the hottest discussion for like the last four or five years. I, <clears throat> I mean, I love it. I love it. I love him being uh just a person and and this kind of kind of narrows me into a, a a conversation that i have a lot about the way lebron james interacts and speaks in public or speaks to the media um you get these players like kevin durant and you know i bring up demarcus cousins occasionally they don't they just don't they don't talk to the media they don't talk to the people around basketball um, in the same cadence of basketball talk. They just talk like people. They just speak like a human would. I thought it was really funny if you watched the uh, All-Star Draft, this past one. And it was you know, LeBron James and Kevin Durant and the TNT folks. And you realize there's a lot of, um, not just like, Fake laughter, but polite laughter. You know, everything's not hilarious, but people act like everything is hilarious. <laughs> and that's what you do when you're on TV. You turn it up. I talk about this with my wife a lot. On TV, in 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 uh, like morning news shows, they want to be uh, jovial and and uh, fun. There's always somebody on the set who is like a laugher, and it doesn't matter what somebody says, they are constantly laughing. And it's the job. It is a job. You have to have one of those people. You can't have everybody trying to drop some dumb, dry jokes. You got to have somebody there to laugh and just say, oh. <laughs> yeah. So you can see it. You can almost see it in that situation where the TNT guys were in their TV personas. You know, everybody's more low key as soon as they get off out of the studio. The lights are off. LeBron James was doing his typical thing, you know, kind of truncated sentences, a lot of cliches and a lot of um, rhythm. Here's where the joke is. Here's where I say something. And no matter what I say next, this is a punchline. We're all going to laugh about it, right? Kevin Durant, doesn't. he wasn't doing any of that. He kind of just sat back there like I was watching it. Just like, that is back, leaning back. Looked like he was leaning on some bed. And he, I think he laughed a couple times with the whole Utah stuff, which was hilarious. Because I felt like we actually got a little piece of LeBron James there for a second. Yeah. Um. And, but he sat there just quiet mostly, and then he said some things when he when he should, but it felt like what a human conversation typically is. And that's what just freaks everybody out is when people talk to the masses like they're just talking to somebody in their room and being honest, being honest with their how they really feel about things. And it's like he's conditioned us. At first, we all, well, people with voices thought it was weird. They thought he was an idiot and he was too emotional. And he's He's just beaten us down to the point where we just accept that is that. I mean, that's him. And it's now one of the available personas you can have as a professional athlete. 
You don't have to just do the sound bites. So, you know, a team go out there, win one game at a time. No, we're not thinking about the next thing. Well, whatever it is, you can actually be a human, especially off the court. Um, and I think he's done a great service to that. I mean, there's him. I mean, I, I mean, who else? Is there anybody else out there in the sports world who's an active at their peak having this type of dialogue and um, speaking to people in such an honest or what their really their real feelings are? Is there anybody else out there doing this for their sport? In the sports world, I don't know because I don't follow. I'm pretty sure the NFL has some guys. Every now and then I see somebody in the NFL pop up on my thread, but I'm not sure if there is another KD out there that will just... Like if you took his profile picture and name and swapped it out for your common NBA Twitter responder, you just wouldn't notice. I don't know if we have, and at his level, I, I don't know if there's another one out there, honestly. Right. Cause there's a lot of people, and this is what you, you get. You get a lot of people in the second wave. Uh, like what's his name? John Morant, um, Trey Young, Lonzo Ball, even in the beginning of Lonzo. Yeah. In the very early days. Like they'd come on there after a good game and say something like, oh, you guys said I couldn't do it. You know, some weird gripe stuff with the world. <laughs> and then or, or later on, they'll put up a big game. And they'll be like, you know, I'm taking apologies now or whatever it is, or pull up some old tweet from somebody. I feel like those people don't get what Kevin Durant was doing. It's not just your. That stuff is too cliche. It's too still by the script. You know, you're against me and now I can do it. I showed you I can do it. It's different than that, but I feel like we're getting more people who are airing their grievances out <laughs> early. Um, and I don't think that, I don't think it's working for everybody. I don't think it's a good idea. Kevin Durant can back it all up. He has the career and he has a legacy, so he can be a little whiny if he wants to be. Um, and we are also forced to deal with him because he's relevant in the league and in the game. So we do have to take the things he says to some, some degree seriously. You know, if he's if he wants to say something about the locker room in the Nets or say something sly about uh, Steve Nash, like, you know, it matters. It matters. Um, so I I really do. I real I feel the next wave or generation of basketball interactions with the public. He did a lot. You know, he'd be one of those people, <laughs> one of those uh, pioneers, you know, is like a he'd be on a shirt at one point, you know, we'll have a. Well, like, uh, sing a song about him, or I don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's like it's like social it's like social civil rights, you know, the right for him to be himself in public, as opposed to something else. So, <laughs> so on the topic of players actually being themselves and being a little bit human, we saw James Harden this week be a little bit human and just say, "Fuck it, I am the MVP right now." It's the thing he said. Probably if it was a response to the question or whatever it was in an interview, he said it. And I feel like okay. like you were just saying with LeBron and the Utah slander, let's just call it what it was on live TV. We got to see a little bit of LeBron. Every now and then we do get to see like a little bit of the human player. Like back in 2014 when Kevin Durant said, I think that's what he said he was the best player in the world and he was tired of coming second or whatever. Like it didn't feel as much scripted back then because players aren't supposed to say them say those things about themselves traditionally. Wait, who said that? that Ke- was... Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant. Yeah. Like it yeah, every now and then that that was I don't know, I guess that was a little bit of the the early version of what we see now coming out. That was a twenty fourteen version and now we're in twenty twenty one and he's just you know completely he's completely evolved. Um but back then yeah he, we we saw him get that bit out. 
and we see players we, i'm trying to think of more examples as i'm talking about we see this every now and then it's just like a little slip and then they go back to normal for a while and you don't hear anything uh but how do you feel about players singing their own praises because to many people's disagreement you absolutely hated uh older players having to tell their war stories basically like dr j in their own documentaries but every now uh, and then with like how kevin durant is leading the conversation on being able to just be like fuck it hey i was i was just a regular kid before i was an nba player i'm gonna continue to be that well i don't want to say kid but that person at least um and now you will have every now and then a lebron james back in 2015 say i'm the best player in the world then later on, say 2016 made him the goat. Uh, you, you'll have these things. You'll finally hear a little bit of what they actually think, which kills me. I wish we always. I always want that. I always support these things. I, I hate having to wait until years later in a book to find out what they really thought when their coach said this to them. Or, well, I understand why they don't say shit about their coaches, but you, you get the point here. Um, how do you feel about how do you how do you feel about that then with players singing their own praises? Because James Harden whole- gave us a good gave us a great tidbit this week. The whole idea of, you know, waiting 20 years to hear it in a book. For a while, I guess I, I subscribe to that. That's what I I would say I would prefer. Mm. There's a there's a separation there. I think that is in more more of the in the cases of um the behind the scenes story, you know, the little legendary interactions that somebody may have or the just the type of um off court or um, contrib- contribution that they had that we didn't see on the court. Um, I feel like that's the kind of stuff it's nice to see later on and like feel like you're let in on that. Yeah. The players thinking that they are the best at something, it's so weird. It's this ugly uh, little human trait that we have where, and I saw it with the TNT guys when they're talking about Draymond's uh, saying he's the best defender ever. Almost to a man, and who was there? Candace, what's the, the what's her name? Candace, Candace Parker. Parker. Yeah, she's great. She, yeah, she's very grounded. Like just, and I appreciate that because sometimes they just drift off into irrelevancy. But the idea that every single person can and should say they're the best. Everybody who's a competitor, everybody who's been around the NBA or basketball or any professional sport understands that it is completely in the lines and valid for an individual to say or believe they're the best. But then we have to just take a step back and, and assess, are they the best? Are they really the best? Right. I mean, that, the fact that now we are having the debate about LeBron James or about Draymond Green and the fact that we can even maintain the debate and we're all not just laughing our asses off. That, that was some great marketing by him. That was a great way to push that, that narrative forward. He, he put the words out there. Once somebody spoke them, you can't erase them. They are floating out there, and either he'll live up to it, and people will 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 deem him that, or you know he'll he'll fail utterly. And then at this point, I don't think he can. I think he has enough of a legacy in order for people to make some sort of an argument on that end of it. James Harden, he's got a lot. I feel like he's got a lot to still lay out there on the court. Anybody? Okay, John, what do you think? He seems to be doing what he does every season mm. until the playoffs. I mean, he, he's he's doing the same exact thing. But I don't. I mean, I don't know why people seem surprised. Obviously, there's a, a balance in 
you know, he's got different personalities to deal with. And he seems like he really was winning there trying to work with the team and be part of the team and do whatever they needed. He's the real point guard. And he's, but it's how is this any more amazing than what he was doing in Houston? And why can't we just say, all right, we'll see if he gets over the final hump that he hasn't been able to get through get to yet i'm gonna take a moment to talk to you about hosting your own podcast with our distributor blue wire pods and there's no better place to host than blue wire hustle hustle was created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start hustle is the perfect place for you as a part of the program you'll receive personal cover art q a's with blue wire's top podcasters access to our community discord and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks and on top of that we'll help you get your show pushed out to apple spotify google stitcher and all other listening platforms. The best part is, you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you for just the initial setup. So if you're ready to do more than just listening to us talk about your favorite team, then make your voice heard and hustle. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com join. Check out the description box in this episode to find out more, but that's bwhustle.com join. Do you initially wake up in the morning and feel ready to just pull the covers right back over your head and go to sleep no judgment because i do the same but let's make having the most comfortable sheets the reason why if you don't love yours brooklinen has you covered pun fully intended brooklinen was started by rich and vicky who were trying to find beautiful home essentials that didn't cost an arm and a leg when that didn't happen they founded brooklinen as the first direct to consumer bedding company they work directly with manufacturers to make luxury available directly to you without the luxury level markups brooklinen has a variety of sheets colors patterns and materials to fit your needs and tastes they've got over 50,005 star reviews and counting and they're so confident in their product that they even offer a 365 day money back guarantee go to brooklinen.com and use promo code dom to get 25 dollars off when you spend 100 dollars or more plus free shipping that's b-r-o-o-k-l-i-n-e-n.com and enter promo code dom to get 25 dollars off when you spend 100 dollars or more plus free shipping brooklinen.com and use promo code dom at checkout i would say where we are this season Going to the Nets, he's answered questions, which I felt like were weird questions anyways, but they were everyone who was involved in a James Harden trade was like, oh, well, he they watched him play one way in Houston and they were like, we don't need that here. And I I thought it was fairly obvious that it wasn't going to be exactly like Houston because that's a very specific system. It's a very specific coach and he didn't want to be there anymore. So clearly on some level, he didn't want to just pound the ball under his legs. 30 times before either throwing a lob to Capella or kicking it to an open shooter or laying it up. Clearly he wanted something else that could actually win. So you go to the nets and he has adapted. Well, he's uh, I'm not sure if he's leading the league in assists right now, but he's adapted very well when people didn't actually know if he could, he's playing as a part of a big three that is often either just a big two with him and Kyrie, or it's just him. Sometimes Kyrie wouldn't had a little birthday bash, I guess this weekend. This week, by the way, I, I love Kyrie. So that's not that probably sounded like shade. It's not shade, but it happens. And, Kyrie, yeah. Kyrie does what he wants. He understands on this franchise. He could do what he wants. So he's here sometimes and sometimes he's not. So <clears throat> now you find Harden on this situation where people were already questioning even when Kyrie and Kevin Durant and when those three are on the floor, guys were like, oh, is this team good enough to win a championship? Are they good enough on the defensive side? And so without even having them on the floor together like rarely ever james harden has adapted well 
he's playing great basketball and they're winning that's happening right now so they're probably a couple of games out of the first seed i would say i think he's answered questions that people had mid-season or you know upon this trade and i think that he's um you're asking like how is it different basically because that is that is the question that's starting to come up is people are starting to say oh because i see i I just saw we hit that point this week where guys were like james hard because that's 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 exactly when it happened was when he said i'm the mvp and then of course people start saying let's be real he's the best player in the league right now that happens every year and people are like oh yep here we are we're at this we're at this point in the season with james harden um i guess it's that just for basically for the reasons i said i think that's why it seems a little bit different now and it also seems like it really should go all the way because in the past i think with harden's dominance especially because of the situation he's been in 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 the western conference rarely do you ever look at it and say this should end in a james harden championship so in 2018 i think was when he won the champion when yeah when he won the mvp i don't think anybody really expected them to beat golden state that was 18 right that was 18 yeah it was the second year i think anybody actually expected them to beat golden state that year last year him and westbrook they went to micro ball it was a wild card <clears throat> i was very interested to see how it worked out but i didn't for a second believe that this is going to result in a james harden championship they're not eliminating lebron james and anthony davis i don't think that's where this is going so you get to the season and i just went through the whole thing about the questions and again also it's it's with kyrie irving i think because when kept when him and Kevin Durant on the floor together, when James Harden and Kevin Durant on the floor together, there's no there's no problems. You're almost you almost look at that and go, man, this could work by itself as a duo. This could probably go all the way by itself as a duo. They wouldn't even need Kyrie. That's where the real questions come is where well, that's where they were anyways when they got together. People were like, Oh, can Harden and Kyrie actually do this together? Because Kyrie's most prolific talent is scoring, but he's not bringing like MVP defense or anything with that. Uh, that's in James Harden. You look at him and you think scoring as well, but you think some playmaking. So they had to make that mesh and they've made that mesh. So I think that's where it's a little bit different. And I think looking at Brooklyn, obviously, especially with the new acquisitions where they only needed a couple of things. Uh, they've got this, this kid, Nick Claxton, who I think has answered some questions for them. Who is uh, basically a, he was a backup center at this rate. He might be, he might end up starting for them. It should go all the way. It should go all the way. I still see some people saying Milwaukee is my favorite or Philly, but the nets now, if they lose that's, there we go. James Harden has not been in a position of, Oh, it's like win or bust this year. Has that, has that been a position for Harden yet? I don't think that's been a position for him. When they lost to San Antonio and Ginobili blocked them, they weren't supposed to beat San Antonio that year. They weren't supposed to go to the finals. That was 2017 when Westbrook won. They weren't supposed to go to the finals that year. That, I guess I guess even in 2018 where they won 60-something games with Chris Paul, still, it was well understood. This is Golden State's shit. This is their conference still. Um, then 19, I, I, I don't forgot what happened in 19. I can't remember at all. Uh, oh, yeah, there we go. That's the only time I believe when Kevin Durant got hurt. And your and your guys' 2019 series against Houston. I think that's the only time where I said midway through, I was like, okay, now Houston, not that they should absolutely just, you know, they have, they have to win this, but I thought they probably, they had more of an advantage at that point because Chris Paul had been back healthy. Guys were like, oh, if Chris Paul wasn't hurt last year, he would have won. But either way, point still stands. It rarely ever is like this where James Harden, if he doesn't win this year, if they, even if they get to the finals and they lose, it would just be such a massive disappointment. That's what I think. Those are some of the differences I see. Long, long story. Long if answer. The, if they got to the finals and lost, personally, I wouldn't I wouldn't hold it against them too much. 
I think every every team's first year, especially since this wasn't even a preseason thing. This nope. has been cobbled together during this weird ass season. I think if they couldn't get it together this season, I don't think that I wouldn't look at them any differently. I wouldn't judge them for that. It depends on how they fail. If everybody fails the same way they usually do it towards the end of these games and just kind of gives it up. I mean, they're, it's a that team is like so familiar with blowing it at towards the end of games. Like even with Blake Griffin and his you know years with the Clippers, like they just not being able to get over the hump. The only person there, I mean. I guess it's Kevin Durant, but it's like he got that artificial kind of boost with the Warriors. You know, he went to finishing school and figured out how to finish. But I don't know if it's finishing when you're up, usually up 20, you know, you don't have a lot of close games. I mean, we look back at that shot, that three-point shot he hit in 2018 over LeBron. 17 and 18. Yeah, both of them. Okay. But these series were, it was, one was a sweep. The other was, was a gentleman's sweep. Like, we don't think, we don't really address that too much. Uh, these games, these series weren't even, this wasn't even a contest. So, Kevin Durant, he's one of those people that is just towards the end of these things. Just kind of blows it, usually. Um, unless, obviously, you're sweeping the team. But in close games, who's gonna, who turns it on and does something that they haven't really done before? Or haven't done something that they, they're they not really known for? I'd go Kyrie Irving, and since he has the 2016 behind him. I trust Kyrie. If there's anyone I trust, I trust Kyrie. Which leads me to this question. Which player, if the Nets had to do this, which I feel like they, they basically do this to some degree, as much as many minutes as James Harden was playing, at least a few games I've seen, plays with the second unit. Um, what? Who would be a better six-man in an ideal scenario? Kyrie Irving or James Harden? So we're not even we're not even putting them. we're not even putting Kevin Durant in this question. Just Kyrie and Harden? No, no, because they they are they. Uh, it's like the microwave test, right? Remember Vinny the microwave? I don't. I feel like I see old clips of him. I, I personally have never seen him play, but he was with the Pistons, right? That was the guy. Mm-hmm. He came on, just scored a bunch. I think that's what a six man is. So, Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie Irving is that kind of guy that could come in on his own just go all out keep a team in it score a few extra points whatever it is not get down um james harden was a six man and there's you know there's clips of him talking about how he was content to stay in oklahoma and be a six man if that's how they if they would have played that out um it's like the six man mentality he still has it a little bit but kyrie irving i know it'd be a bitch to get him off the off the bench but he almost is the perfect sixth man archetype if you could just build one somebody who can come in get 10 buckets if they you know at at at, at off peak hours uh, that's it that's your that's your sixth man i've talked myself into it if i could have <laughs> a perfect sixth man it would be kyrie irving um but i don't think it's possible yeah and that's and that's super uh, artificial scenario and some wild universe if i had to choose between those yeah obviously i would i would go kyrie because harden i know i'm gonna get more with him on the starting lineup so i could get Kyrie to come in and just blow blow somebody up for 25 straight if if we had to do it in this backwards universe absolutely it's not it's, you mean the logical universe the universe where <laughs> winning basketball games is the goal like that's right, you're right that's that's the world i'm talking about maybe it is an alternate world people well, say they care about winning 
Yeah. While we're we're there, because that got me thinking about Kyrie and his talents, what exactly, this is off the cuff, this was not on there, what exactly is a superstar player, since we're on this topic of ego and everything, because... Uh, it gets used a lot it gets thrown around a lot where you know people having arguments and they're like oh this player didn't have another superstar player next to him or whatever Uh, and i've talked to people who actually play in the league and they're like yo in this league if you can score i don't give a damn what anybody says if you can score you are one of the most valuable players period Uh, but it often breaks down to this thing of could this player lead this team to a championship can they do a million other things Uh, but when you can score like a player like Kyrie does and when you can be as skilled as he is and as crafty as he is offense is obviously we always say defense wins championships but there's no doubt we we cater to offense in this league uh that's what pays the most that's what teams go after they accumulate offensive talent and then you try to get defense second like that's what happens that's literally what the Nets have done they went and got three superstar offensive players and then they're like okay we'll figure the rest out we'll let the rest of it figure itself out so, but what exactly is a superstar player then? Is it somebody who can just on any given night in this professional league go get you 30? Or does it have to be more behind it? Do they have to be the type of player that you could put on a team and can say, go get me a championship at some point, you know, during your tenure here? What exactly is the in that ingredient? Uh, w- how long was Blake Griffin uh, a superstar? In your mind and this this is a this is a hilarious question because if you threw this out there i guarantee you you would get responses of oh he was a superstar when was blake a superstar i'm like i remember but i remember blake griffin explicitly i don't know if it was 2013 or 2014 it was a stint where chris paul was out and blake held the clippers together and he was actually for that short time he was in the mvp race so i'm like are you gonna tell yes remember that yes he was former mvp contender blake griffin so you're gonna tell me for that little stint there that he was not playing superstar basketball and if he checks off the boxes of being able to carry this offense and even give you some of the the qualities of a superstar right because let's be real it's not all just basketball i think we used to get into this when Kawhi leonard was becoming a superstar we started talking about like markability and everything and what they actually do and how they go about what they do because that, that was the thing people don't remember Kawhi was not always referred to as a superstar that took time took time for that to build up but uh, anyways to answer your question like Blake, it, it, if we are going to paint Blake as ever having been a superstar, it wasn't for very long, I would say, because he get, got hurt just routinely, it's like clockwork, right. basically. You're probably looking around anywhere from like the, the 14 and 15 season around that area, somewhere in the 13 to 15 season, I would say. Somewhere in there, I think you can find yourself a superstar version of Blake. Um. The other question is is basic. This is right right along with any Twitter uh, debate. How many superstars do you think there are in the league? I'm not asking you to to name them, but just how many do you think there are? And then how many do you think there can be at one given moment? Off the top of my head, if you just go how many superstars are there, you're probably going to land in the neighborhood of around eight players, I would say. You ever take you're not gonna get to double digits but then of course if i named them if i start listing them out it's gonna be different because you go and this is where again you get to that gray area because you get the obvious one steph curry superstar braun superstar Kyrie, uh, sorry harden superstar katie superstar uh joel Embiid. like you're gonna say he's not a superstar or not he was the fucking mvp leader this year that's Embiid. uh Cole Jokic has to be a superstar right now <laughs> he has to be as a superstar player uh maybe he's missing the markability part but you know 
then people will start getting into the conversation of oh is luca one his team has been losing this year and they're just now oh, making it back not. up but uh what oh luca is absolutely not a superstar is where you're going with that I guess I put more weight on the off court or the non basketball part portions of it. A superstar is somebody that I can walk upstairs and ask my wife if she knows them. <laughs> there we go, the marketability part of it. Okay, it's just it's just it's not just it's marketability, but it's just how much have they permeated? Uh, how much have they permeated the society? Like you know, it's like the like the coronavirus, right? Like if you're in the room with somebody, how long does it take for that little virus? To get all the way to the corner where you're sitting you're you know like how many people away you need to be in the room for how long to be there but certain rooms you walk in and it's there and you know it that was a bad example <laughs> the point is that, <laughs> that some way or another whether it's through their wives because you know a lot of the steph curry stuff that my wife knows about is through aisha she you know she follows her she knows more about Dwayne wade now than ever uh and who's the other one that she was very surprised? I was very surprised she knew about. But it's through their wife who's doing something. I mean, this is very, this sounds very stereotypical, but the idea is my wife, my wife's not into basketball that much. She'll watch some games if I'm watching it, but the, the five players she can name are going to be unarguable superstars. And that's basically it. And, and Jokic and Luca, like, these people are not superstars. I mean, we're using the word star. We're pulling out, pulling out of Hollywood speak, you know, movie star. We're not saying great basketball players or effective team leaders. We're saying superstars, and that's something else. That means that you have broken through into a, a higher plane of, of the culture where it's like everybody has heard of you for some reason or another. Um, and we we're opening that up way too fast for other people who have no business being there in the superstar category. To be honest, you start saying like, okay, I know they're superstars, but even I feel like there's t- really three. That's it. Maybe three okay. superstars. Hey, but some people would pro- a lot of people would probably because again, a, a lot of the numbers that I see are very conservative numbers. When you start asking this, people are like, they can only be this amount, and it's normally a tiny number. Um, I don't think Embiid's a superstar. Okay, okay, you don't have Embiid there. So does your does a superstar? Could, do you no. think you could go around? Uh, would you, would your wife know Kawhi Leonard? Barely. So Kawhi's not Maybe. a superstar then. For you, he's, he's he's the one who's on the line for me. Okay, so yeah, you you put like you're like seventy percent market marketability outside society type things. Then okay, is our okay is uh is one championship and one MV uh, league MVP? Does that make you a superstar? Like it happened three years ago. I mean, there's a lot of con- there's like- a lot of context. I think there's a lot of context that goes that has that goes with it. I guess maybe it's also in comparison to who the ceiling, right? You can't have a ceiling where it's five or four or five championships and four league MVPs and complete name recognition across the country or the world. Um, If that's the the ceiling, you know, like a LeBron James for recognizing and um, marketability or just just awareness, it kind of pulls everything up with it, I feel like. I feel like that if he's what a superstar is, he can't be the anomaly. That's got to be people closer to him are superstars and not people who have never even sniffed a ring uh, or (laughs) 
um, or people who are just now making their way through the playoffs and just figuring out how to be successful like Joel Embiid. Good God, please stop calling him a superstar. He's not a superstar. <laughs> He's a really good basketball player who may actually have some sort of accolades this year. Probably not anymore. He's not going to win it this year. He's going to be, I mean... Well, okay. I guess because I on some level I do get I do get the argument you're making absolutely with the society society thing. Because if you've done enough on the court that everyone that you name is just, is just a hit with anybody, then yeah, you're obviously. So I get what you're saying from there. Um, and again, what a part of the what you're referencing here is uh, longevity. I guess you would say because a lot of people say, oh, one or two good seasons doesn't make you a superstar. I see that a lot as well. But then you have, and okay, so you're not putting Embiid as a superstar. Um, oh, but no, I've, he talk, was, I, I've talked myself out of it, out of it in, in this very conversation. <laughs> For this, this is not a long-standing opinion. I just developed this opinion. And there we go. That's where you'll get these differing, uh, these differing opinions because you'll have, uh, you know, Embiid would have probably won MVP this year if he hadn't have uh, gotten hurt, and he was doing it on both sides of the floor as well. It's another thing that people throw in there is they say, oh, this guy is all offense, but he's not giving you, you know, anything else. So he can't be a superstar. If he averaged 30, but he's giving up this many points, that can't be a superstar. And Embiid was doing it on both sides, all in the way to an MVP. But again, you know, always hurt before this maybe of, it's a lot not of a, ifs there maybe, <laughs> yeah i mean it's a, again this is why you don't get a concrete you don't get a concrete answer when you go into the superstar conversation at all um because there's a lot there's a lot of different factors to it a lot of different factors a lot of different context um maybe we can give them that that's all they need somebody to, to develop that's that the words or the arguments or the, the framework or what a thing is you know it's right, like right all stars all stars are so funny because um, you know, they got the team and then somebody always gets injured, right? And then there's an all-star replacement. And then they don't, we don't call them an all-star replacement forever. Like we just say they were an all-star, right? Yeah. They just get that title. So we're real loose with that. And then. I will um, never let anybody forget that Kyle Corver was an all-star replacement, but continue. I'll never let anybody forget that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really? So when hot. you see him in the store and he comes up to you and he's telling somebody he played in the NBA. Well, you're gonna you're gonna shoot him down. <laughs> yeah, no, you're gonna get back to reality. Just you're not gonna oversell the 2015 Hawks by saying they had this all star. How many ever all stars they had? Kyle Korver made it because Wade was hurt. He was not an all star player. Uh, Korver was not an all star <laughs> player, <laughs> but he was good though. We but love Kyle Korver. We love our sharpshooters. Wasn't wait? Where was Dwayne Wade at that point? Was he on his way? He was. I was 2015, so Dwayne Wade was still in Miami, and I believe, uh, yeah, he just uh, had some type of injury that year. Okay. Yeah, he was definitely still in Miami. Yeah. That was a ceremony. Was that a ceremonial All Star bid? Like no, or- no. 2015, the Heat would have uh, actually yeah challenged the Cavs if Chris Bosh hadn't had that random issue that's that ended his career actually. But uh, yeah. Other than that, they, Hassan Whiteside was coming onto the scene, and I think that's when they acquired Dragic. Yeah, they were getting ready to go on a run, and then boop. Yeah. Like of an eye, all gone. That's pretty much what uh, happened there. So, what I'm saying is that I think there's a way to to frame what a superstar is. I don't know what the words are yet, but I think it's within our power to give people that, just to gift them that. Um, but I don't think you really can have more than like three. I think that's it. Because what's above, is there, unless we have something, another label for the thing that's above that, is there something above Superstar? 
I mean, every we have superstar players, and then we, if we're lucky enough in our generations, we have GOAT candidates, obviously. So, like, Michael Jordan was a superstar playing with other superstars, but he was obviously building his GOAT candidacy as well. So, I guess that might be the thing that's above that. Okay. I guess. Maybe. That's a tough one, because it's, like, it's pretty recent than than, uh, than in, in anything else. Just laying so heavy on that discussion of who the GOAT is. Um the other part is uh i don't know if that i think that's goat is very basketball centric based it's performance based right i think you kind of strip away some of the celebrity aspect of it when you're talking about the goat um so it, it kind of it's, it's something of its own i'm not saying it's less than obviously we're just trying to determine who the best player is when you say a superstar so much different than that so i i don't know i think superstar is the biggest you can be obviously we in and in terms of goat conversation we really should be only addressing one or two people at any given moment like it's not really a, a long list of people there's no yearly player that's you know the goat for this year i mean and then we need to continue talking about them in that year forever they just kind of fade away into you know whether they were a star or not superstar it's something different and i think that i'm gonna always cap my discussions at three three people that's all you can get that's it there's only three superstars in the league at any given point i don't part of me doesn't want to include people like james harden i don't think he's a superstar can, can you be a superstar and not ever win it win it all can you be a yeah yes, you yeah yeah you can be a superstar and not have yeah definitely because i would eliminate Tons and tons of players. Well, that's what I'm looking to do. I'm trying to I'm trying to eliminate <laughs> tons of players. All right, we can move on from this. But um, Bef- wait, before we move on, who who are the who are the three superstars yeah. uh, today? Then before we we'll we'll leave it at that for this. Wait, con- and when it, it's not even about this, how they're playing right or their team. It's LeBron James, Steph Curry, and Kevin Durant. That's it. All right, those are your superstars. And. There really might only be two superstars. <laughs> well, yeah, my list definitely goes. We're, we're gonna we're, we're definitely have to revisit this one because uh, I'm yeah, we're we're there's some distance between us there okay. and the number, right, yeah, and the number. <laughs> uh, I mean, who who's four? Who's the fourth automatically? Oh well, yeah. easily yeah, we, we can you know you can end it right there and go like James Harden. Yeah, he's definitely my superstar category, absolutely. Um, but I do get a player like. I don't feel like I can ask many people on the street who Nikola Jokic is, and they would right. know. I so I get that aspect of it, but I, I'm sympathetic to that because I remember a time where it would have been like that for Kawhi Leonard as well. Hell, for some people, it still might be like that. But I've I've watched Kawhi have one of the greatest playoff runs ever with my own eyes, so I have to have him there. And then this season as well, he's still you know he doesn't bring any of the flair, and he's never you're never going to be able to go up to some elderly woman and ask her like hey you know why like <laughs> like why yeah, right. she'll be like why like what well, yeah see no it's not gonna happen um <laughs> never mentioned you never mentioned Giannis in any of this 
Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. You no, Giannis, Yes, absolutely. No, yes, Giannis is a Giannis has his flaws too. Giannis has his easily exploitable flaws. He is one of the more confusing superstars, but nonetheless, yes, Giannis has to be there. I'm just for the just disclaimer. I forgot names. That's not me discrediting your favorite player, whoever yeah. that might be. Um, doing this off the cuff. So yeah, obviously I have guys like Giannis up there. Um, but yeah, the fact that that people, I don't think there's anybody, well, you obviously didn't put him in your list, but normally when you have these conversations, people aren't going, oh, Giannis can't shoot and that's easily exploitable. Boom. He's not a superstar. You don't see a lot of people saying that because he makes up for it in many other places. Very flawed, very obviously so far difficult to have him be your best player on a title team, but superstar nonetheless, the guy might three-peat this year in, in MVPs. There's no way in the hell I cannot have him on the superstar list. And he might win three straight. That's That list is Larry Bird and who else? Like one or two other people with three straight. Oh, yeah. I was looking. I saw. Yeah. Larry. Yeah. I, yeah. It's amazing. I hope if he does it. Gosh, I hope he doesn't get ripped apart for not winning a championship or something. Oh, like you know, that. he will. Yeah. He will. Go ahead and prepare for that. Like, yeah, <laughs> if he gets three straight, but doesn't win, like you can go ahead and that, that's the next thing people are going to devalue. First, it was it was triple doubles because once Westbrook did that, it was no longer amazing anymore. And if Giannis three peats on MVPs and uh, then goes out in the second round. I, mean, you I are, know that's a shame. I do feel it. I feel how MVPs are being watered down. Or yeah. just aren't they're just absolutely. Like you can already see. Insane. You can already see some people saying that they don't matter, or they are a narrative award, or they're this. Like yeah, MVPs are definitely next on that list. It's like triple doubles and MVPs and whatever else is below that. It's just a list being like crossed off. Soon enough, nothing will matter. Except and then that's the day when somebody like Damian Lillard could be a six man. <laughs> We're working our own future here. <laughs> One more thing to wrap it up, just because this was definitely a part of uh, last week's podcast that preceded the week. Uh, did What did you make of, and this, this goal was great because somebody had asked you a question about this a while ago. And we mentioned it here with the players singing their own praise. Draymond Green saying that he was the greatest defender of all time. Then Tony Allen coming in and checking him. Basically, I had to send you that thread because we talked about it literally the day before it happened. And totally, Tony Allen is like, who gave you your stripes or cards or something? I can't remember. Um, yeah, stamps, but it, yeah, stamps. There you go. Stamps. That's that's awesome. Yeah. I check marks. Yeah. And uh, they kind of went back and forth at it. Then Draymond Green pulled out the exact thing we discussed. He pulled out the we ignored you. In the 2015 playoff series, and that's why you guys lost because you were winning that series. You were up to one and, and completely defeating us. And then we were like, oh, wait, they have a guy up there that plays professional basketball that we don't have to pay attention to at all, and we can win this. And we did it. And uh, so that spat was hilarious. And so if you've got anything on that, um, that it, it, it was great. I think it was great. Hard, like you said, <clears throat> sorry, Draymond. He put it out into the universe and everyone just kind of took it and did whatever they did with it. Everyone was having the debates. People were making lists of their greatest defenders. Uh, but I didn't, like you said, I didn't see anybody really just outright laughing at Draymond. They might have gave their reasons why they didn't think he was the greatest. And of course, I, I don't myself, I wouldn't have him as the greatest defender ever. But again, that's what he thinks. Or at least that's what he wants people to think. I'm glad yeah, that he put it, it out there and I'm glad that Tony Allen came through. Because, you know, Tony Allen doesn't feel like you could tell him shit. Kobe said, like, I think that was his toughest defender. So, you know, right, Tony right, Allen wears yeah. that forever. So, yeah, um, th that's how we'll wrap this up. What do you what do you have on that? Well, that's uh, man, that's that idea that, that Kobe said something about it and acknowledged it. Like now he gets to hang his whole career on that. <laughs> um, Absolutely. It's like whenever I talk about how um, John Stockton, you know, doesn't have a left hand or. 
how he's overrated or something like that. I don't know. Um, everybody brings up the one interview where Gary Payton said, oh, he's the best point guard I ever played against or the, whatever. They bring up this one soundbite that some guy said either politely or not politely. Like just, they said it. So that's the comeback, which is, but he said it. So Tony, but you know, it's great. Cause it's Kobe. Like if Kobe says it, I don't think a lot of people are going to argue about that. It kind of just goes into the basketball Bible. If Kobe said it now at this point, <laughs> he's accepted. Um, but with the funniest part about the Draymond uh, clip where he calls himself the best defender ever, it's great because he pauses before he says it. Like he says something like, I'm, you know, one of the best defenders. Then he has like a pause. And he's like, he's saying it to himself almost. He's like, I'm the best defender of all time or something like that. I haven't seen this. I only read it. I saw it once and I was Uh waiting to hear him say it in some rant where he just seemed really confident. But there was this little beat before he said it. Like he was working his way into it or like saying, yeah, I'm going to say this. I'm going to go ahead and say this right now. And you saw little wheels, little cogs spinning where it's like, yeah, I'm going to put this out there and they're going to deal with it. People are going to take this. So he said it and exactly that happened because it was very offhand, just flip it. Um, add-on to his to his uh, answer, whatever they, the question they asked him. But what is it? What it is exposing is the well. Then who is it? Part of all this, because watching Shaq try to come up with the best defenders <laughs> when he's like, no, he's not, and he starts just he just freezing to just think. Okay, well then who is it? You know, and then eventually people come up with KG or let's say Bill Russell or something like that. But it's not like with the offensive side or scoring or any any of the other lists that we have for best of all time. The best defenders of all time is not this ready-made list that's just already out there yeah. and been compiled a thousand times a day on Twitter. Because all we we're just repeating the same ar- argument points. And there's a point where, like, if you bring up a topic, I'll go down a thread looking for the traditional uh, argument beats. You know, somebody will say something. Oh, Steph Curry, blah, 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 is greatest. And they'll be like, oh, he gave up 3-1. And then it'll be like, oh, well, he beat them. Oh, well, you know, he needed KD. Well, what about 2015? Like, oh, well, Kyrie and Kevin Love were hurt. And then it's just like the same script. But with defense and the greatest um, defenders of all time, it's not ready-made for us. So it's catching people off guard on TV and off TV. And then people, I see... People accepting the fact that, well, he may be one of the better ones of all time. You know, it's like an acceptance um, of an argument that he forced upon us. So I appreciate it. I think it's great. I think I love that he did that. And it's weird because that works for him. But then when you have somebody like Paul Pierce try to brag about his own career at any given moment, <laughs> people laugh at him. They literally laugh at him. When he, when he was trying to say he was better, he had a better career than Dwayne Wade. And Jalen Rose on set just like bullet point by bullet point with pie charts dismantled the man's argument as he sat there. Just he just sat there. Paul Pierce just taking it. Whenever he tries to talk about how good he is, that's when I realized the the, the treacherous nature of being your own PR, your own your own hype voice. You cannot do that. You don't get don't do it. Paul Pierce would have lived in a higher plane and a more respectable uh, space in our basketball brains if he just would have shut up for a few years after he left. He has not stopped talking. And he gets into beef with people who are still playing, like Draymond 
and it's like you're killing your own legacy man paul pierce is systematically stripping layers of skin off of his legacy and every once in a while i gotta actually go remind myself how good he was but he doesn't have disciples he doesn't have champions he doesn't have horace grant making an entire post-basketball career out of doing interviews about you that's what he does for michael jordan he goes anywhere maybe he's mad because you know he was the guy who was the source for the jordan rules or whatever it is but which that's pretty settled right that's the case he was the guy he was one of the guys remember not go elaborate uh there was somebody with the bulls who was um providing a lot of uh the behind the scenes uh oh yeah 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 there you go yeah yeah that was that was great yeah there there you go go. yeah Uh uh-huh okay but you have these people and i always wondered whether lebron james is going to have enough disciples to go out there and and say how great of a guy and motivationally was behind the scenes or in the locker room and i always thought i don't know there's something about him and just obviously the nature of him leaving cities and going to other teams not really letting those roots take take a hold he doesn't have enough people who are going to just organically push his legacy and share the stories that may or may not be true you know the myths um but he's got a whole company behind that now and i know they've always been behind that but he could he could use you know you've got somebody like uh when kevin love uh, a year ago i think it was a year or so ago he starts talking about what lebron james was saying on the bus uh, mm-hmm. in 2016 yeah I remember that story you know, yeah and, and and Kevin Love was like wow like, this guy really said this and then we did it that's what there's so many people out there that do that for Jordan I mean, Reggie Miller half of his career is about telling Jordan stories and LeBron <laughs> needs more of those he needs more of those types of things um, in order to really solidify himself as as a greatest of all time at some point may or may not um Draymond doing it while he's still playing and saying that, I feel like there's something about it while you're still playing. And that goes back to people saying, you know, Kevin Durant saying he was the greatest player or or even um, LeBron James saying it in, in, in 15 different ways over his, you know, his 30 years in the NBA that he's the best player. Um, there's, a, there's a part of it where you still got to go back it up, which I appreciate. So I think you can talk that trash. You can say all that stuff while you're still playing. And I think it's fine to to hype your own legacy up or your own career up if you're still doing it because it almost shows that i i want the pressure um but once you retire you got to shut up you have to go away for (laughs) two to three years you have to set up a whole system of players that you were good with and weren't good with and they go out and they you know blitz the media over the next couple years i mean they do that with presidents like there was the the ronald reagan legacy project and they got airports named after him schools all this stuff it wasn't none of it was organic when they let when he was out of office they said we're gonna make this man the the republican jesus right now these guys (laughs) he is going to be it and they built it none of it was organic um that's what you have to do you have to manufacture your own stronghold on a legacy um and you can't be the one running out there talking you can't be out there you can't it's stupid that's the thing either whether you're right or wrong you know you you have a, a good strong enough team to uh to kind of plant those pillars around society this guy was the best um i think for defense 
we're going to get now that it's an open discussion. I think we're going to, I think he'll be able to sink his teeth into that claim over time more and more. The fact that he jumpstarted that conversation, he's forever attached to it. So it's all positive. Good off. Good for him. Yeah, it could be it could be yeah. positive for him, could be negative because on the flip side, every time he makes a defensive mistake now or gets crossed like he did by Christian Wood or you know, anything like that happens and you already I can already see it coming. We're like, oh, this guy is the greatest defender, even if that doesn't, you know, occur, you know, losing your balance and getting crossed doesn't doesn't exclude you from that conversation. That's that's just going to happen. Or if he gets dunked on, you know, it's right. going to it's going to come to every time. But uh, yeah, he put it out there and he that's going to be interesting to see how it goes for Jim on green because he is a great TV personality. Uh, last offseason when they had him when they weren't in the playoffs and they weren't in the bubble and they had him discussing basketball. I feel like maybe he won't have to sing his own praises. Maybe he'll have people that he played against, you know, give him some merit there. But I think that where it would differ for him and Pierce is maybe Pierce could do it if he also broke down the game in an intelligent way. So Draymond Green is really, really good at that part. And he's somebody that anybody who actually watches basketball will want to listen to. He's somebody I look forward to after retirement. So if he slips that in there uh, upon some exit, because that's a difference. You know, you display you can display your brilliance afterwards because he's defensively brilliant. He's been defensively brilliant throughout his career. And he goes through and when he's breaking down games after his career, you're going to see that shine through even more, I think. Um, that's probably the hope there, but yeah, Hey, look, it's, it's open house with me, honestly, with players and what they think. <clears throat> I like these little quotes. I like these tidbits. It gets people talking. That's why I like what Kevin Durant does. I'm, I'm a new, I'm a new friend, fan of, uh, KD's Twitter interactions. Cause now I really realize, like, like you said, for you, that's one of, that's one of your only two to three superstars in the league. And I'm, I thought about that today. I'm like, yeah, we really have one of Little, maybe the greatest scorer ever, but one of the easily one of the greatest players ever on Twitter, basically just telling people, "Yeah, I, I'm I'm trolling you, and you can't do anything about it, and you, you're gonna feed into it, and it's gonna be hilarious, and it's gonna be screenshotted, and he's just you know he he's mastered that part. So I like when players do this. Hopefully, we get it more, um, and we will have more of this podcast next week because we are done before midnight. Yeah. yeah, we're at an hour and a half here. We made good timing. Um, if there's anything else you want to say to close it out, you can. But otherwise, this show is on Spotify. It is on iTunes. Link in the comment section and description. And uh, we will see you all next week. I didn't give you a chance to wrap it up if you had anything. Yeah, yeah I got <laughs> two things to say real quick. Yeah, close, close. Um, you mentioned before about you were changing. Uh, um, what was it? From what the, to what for your podcast? You oh, yeah, we're just a, just a part networks. of a network. Yeah, yeah, just part of a network now. Yeah, blue eye. You're clearly you stay in shape, right? Yeah, I try. You still play ball occasionally? Uh, occasionally, of course. With the pandemic, I didn't play much, but I'll be out there in my, in my ret- retirement form, my ret- car- my cardiovascular retirement form when everything opens up in another couple of months. Well, I just went out this past week. I got and actually played uh, some ball. I haven't played in a while, like competitive. Mm-hmm. I realized, like, I haven't lost much. You know, my wind, oh. I, I was a little tired. I was exhausted after a couple of runs. But my my game, which is very specific, I do four things and I don't miss. <laughs> I was feeling like I just, you know, if there's another podcasting duo out there, when all this is over, I, you know, as long as you're 
you're not complete trash on the court, Dom. <laughs> I'd love to challenge any pair, any pair in real life. All I right. Just, I was on. I, I, I realized I still have it. I still got it. All right, then. So, yeah. Hey, we, we can make that happen. He's officially he's day. officially put the challenge out there like uh like LeBron once upon a time put his name in the dunk contest. We he has put us in the uh the duo, the podcasting yeah. duo pairing of two on two to uh, uh an unspecified score. I'll be there. I need to start getting in cardiovascular shape for that tomorrow. All right. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Your motivation. Yeah. When somebody comes at you here. Awesome. Somebody will, somebody will say something. Oh, yeah. It'll happen eventually. <laughs> All right. Well, be on the lookout for that. That won't be a podcast that you can find on Spotify and iTunes. Yeah, maybe you'll find that on YouTube. We'll see you all next week. <laughs> yeah.